What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel. I'm Hillary. I'm Clinton. And I'm Alon. And today we start with some good news, uh, something that you don't see a lot, the Congress in the U.S. agreeing on something, <laughs> everybody agreeing on something. Uh, and this was to put Juneteenth a national holiday. Now, this was made in the House, only 14 Republicans objected, which is amazing. But again, you don't expect that. And it was unanimous in the Senate, and Joe Biden is going to sign the act, and it's going to be officially an American holiday. Now, if you don't know what Juneteenth is, it's the celebration of freedom and empowerment of African Americans. Now, uh, just a brief history, because I'm not I'm not going to go too too far with it. Uh, on June 19, 1865, uh, month after the U.S. states defeated the South in the Civil War. Uh, it was declared to be the end of slavery. And, and that is pretty much what Juneteenth is. Now, there's a whole lot of history considering that people, after two years, people got their freedom after, and there's a whole lot of things that we can talk about that, but we're not going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about uh, what it means. Uh, Alon, you're the American. Of course, we're going to start with you. Uh, what do you feel this, you know, this, this is like a win for the Black community, actually, uh, but how do you feel about this? I don't know if I go so far as say it's a win for the black. I mean, see, I again, I I think I am I'm very much more of like the big gesture guy, right? So you know, yes, it's it's a win for the black community. I'm not going to belittle the fact that you know, um, you know, there's going to be an official you know Juneteenth holiday. That's great. Um, that's fantastic. It's a step in the right direction, but it's one of those things that's kind of bittersweet. It's like, you know, I, I just wish that that people and politicians, I think the majority of people already understand that like these little crumbs that we get in the black community, we need to start saying no and, 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 and start pushing for more, right? This whole thing of let's get little crumbs. And then, you know, that'll eventually lead to a whole piece of bread kind of thing. Like I, I would like to think that we're past that. Um, and again, not to belittle this, but I just want to put it into its place in this context that for me as a black man, as a black American, this is not a big deal for me because there are so many bigger things that still need to be done. Right. Like Biden can easily sign decrees to do bigger and better things. Right. And Trump, if he did anything right, which he did not, but he proved that if you're the president, you can abuse the executive order privilege all the way for your whole four <laughs> years. OK, so if Biden really was about his business and really wanted to make change and really wanted to stand with the black community and show the black community that he was extremely thankful for their vote and that he was dead serious. He could author a bunch of executive orders to change shit drastically today. And, and that's where that's the context that I'm that, that I put this in is that, yes, this is great. It, it, is it a victory? Yeah. But again, you know what? Like, first off, we don't need the systemic, you know, white men or white racist men and the systems they've created to approve a fucking holiday for us. Let's just be clear. Secondly, we're past that. And thirdly, we need to demand more of these politicians that we're going to endorse and, and give our vote to. And I just feel that Biden is not doing enough. And this is one example of him not doing enough. It's cute. It's a, you know, it's, it's a photo op. It's not real progress. And, and that's just me. But well, uh, well technically, the, the the black community has been fighting for this for decades, though. So they, this is something we were fighting for a lot of things for fucking decades. But you know what? There's a laundry list of shit. And Juneteenth is on the top of that list. Let's just be clear about so, that. Right. So that, like that's it's not the top of the list. Well, that's like all I said, I'm trying to say. It's not it, the top of the list. It was something that it was it was put in. Now, I, I do have to say with Joe Biden, uh, it, he I, I'm not 100 percent sure what he will do. Uh, he, he doesn't have a year yet in the presidency. However, uh, we might see anything. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But again, I think the this is a particular aspect of it, because, again, it, it's something that it's very, very symbolized in American culture, but it, it's never been represented. Uh Clinton, have you? What do you, what's your take on it? <laughs> a lot, man. You said it all. I uh, I agree. Those are all some really strong points, and so you're right. Um, my opinion of it is, I hadn't thought 
that deeply about it. And so I was thinking about it as being, yeah, a gesture, but cool. Um, also an acknowledgement of something that people will be now forced to think about on a deeper level for years to come everywhere across the country, even in racist pro uh, states and institutions and among racist people, they'll have to acknowledge that it's Emancipation Day. Um, it doesn't do a lot. It doesn't change uh, anything for Black people in the States. It doesn't help them be more equal or have more systemic justice or more better societal support in terms of education and, and opportunities. But it's, like Fidel said, a victory for the people who were fighting for it. And like I said, it's, it's, a, it's neat. It's better than not having it. And we also have to remember that the, the United States is it's quite, well, it's called United States because different states and it's kind of decentralized. So I do, I do agree in certain things that uh, like what happens in Kentucky can, doesn't happen in Florida. And that's why you have like the red and blue states. So it is kind of hard to make a, a national change on it just because different states have different legislations. But however, again, it, it's for me, I think one of the things is like, I never seen Congress agree on anything uh, parts of that. So we'll we'll try to see. Hillary, what's your take on it? It's not hard to get people to agree on a, a federal holiday, though, where everyone gets a day <laughs> off paid. It's <laughs> to true. Be true. That's very true. It's true. Um, I like I feel the same way. I literally just wrote about this in the in the blog, last blog that got released, that like holidays aren't reparations. It doesn't do shit. Like it doesn't change anything in the grand scheme of things, giving you know, Canadians Emancipation Day, giving the Indigenous community Truth and Reconciliation Day on the 30th, having America have Juneteenth. That's not giving people running water. It's not giving people money. It's not giving them mental health services. It's not giving them rights. And asking these white men to dismantle the system that gave them power is also not happening. So like I'm like with a lawn, take your day and shove it. It doesn't do anything for anyone. And I also read about it not it being a slap in the face, but like in Florida, apparently they're now allowing the removal of black history as being taught in schools. So then on a federal level, you've got this holiday. But if you really cared, you would make those types of changes where you're actually teaching history in school instead of just giving everyone a day off in the name of black people. But you're not actually educating anybody about the history of the day off. So what's really the the point it, it to me it just feels like another band-aid a very small band-aid on a very large problem that is like flopping in the wind and not sticking this doesn't help people it doesn't really make any progress it's just a series of small gestures that don't they keep not leading to anything big there's no big payoff there's no like you guys are finally human beings it's like have a holiday we see you and have a holiday but don't have anything else <laughs> I mean, what I will say is that American history, if you ever study American history, United States history, is convoluted as hell. Because, again, like Hillary said, in Florida, they do their own laws. And in New York, they do their own laws. And in California, they do their own laws. And everybody does their own laws. And if you look at the South, which is the South, which is the big, the South has tried to erase Black history for ever they try to they, they've been trying to keep them slaves forever because of the, the type of history that it that it's been so i mean definitely in my opinion i mean because i understand how the politics works in the united states and how crazy they are which is a it's a gift and a curse to be honest with you how they have it in canada we're not that better because we are like emancipation day is not a holiday it's just a, a it's just like a day And the indigenous, it's not a holiday either. It's another day. Like it's not there. We aren't even there yet. Uh, but I will say this is like in a national perspective of the United States, uh, it will give some part of history. Uh, it will give some part of black history that they've been trying to erase for so long. Like, again, it, it's incredible how now things like Tulsa and Juneteenth, like they're getting noticed in, in a worldwide perspective before, like 10 years ago, you wouldn't even know about it. So, and again, that's, that's made up, but uh, again, congratulations to the United States. You got a holiday. I mean, it's better than Christopher Columbus day, but again, that's another, that's another issue that we're not going to talk about that. because that's another, right, but that, that, that is another old thing. It is, but it also shows like how superficial that this, this whole thing, Juneteenth thing is, is that 
again, you know what, like if you're, if you're really about change and really want to do something, there are a lot of things you can eradicate and a lot of things that you can implement. And again, he is the president. Um, he does not need really to answer to anybody. Um, he literally can, you know, well, do what well, he needs to do. And that's the problem. Um, he, he, he does. That's the thing with the United right. States. And as the American, I understand that all I'm trying to say to you is that, like I said earlier, it is possible to draft executive orders, that's, whether, that's, whether, whether, it, whether, it, whether people like it or not. Um, and again, just even without the executive order, um, you know, you as a president who, you know, ran on a platform saying that you were about equality and, and diversity and inclusion and all this, and you get elected specifically because of the minority vote, um, you know, just in general, you know, his voice should be a lot louder. Um, his, his stances should be a lot more, de- more defined. Um, and, and this is just, you know, him, in my opinion, just playing politics. Um, and, and I mean, and Christopher Columbus Day should be eradicated. That, that, it should, that, that, that should that should be done. And that should be thing, that's a no brainer. That's the thing with the United States. And I, and I think that's what Trump, even Trump complained, because I think when Trump came to the president, he thought that the president could do whatever the hell he wanted. And everything that he did with executive order got challenged in court. And then you got to go to the Supreme Court and then you got to go. to That's the fine. But Trump played the game, though. The, the, the thing was the optic. Right? But nothing. But, so, that's the thing, but nothing got done. That Everything that he did. But the optics. Didn't oh, get but, done. but the optics were that he went ahead. He signed it. And you know what? His constituency and his demographic bought it, right? So in the end, whether the court said, yeah, it's going to stick or not, the demographic bought into it. And so all I'm trying to say is that Trump is a lot of things. And one thing that he is is a manipulator of the media. And he is a a purveyor of the optics. And all I'm trying to say is that if you're going to play the political game, play the political game. Biden could have come in here and played the exact same game. And you know what? It, it would have it would have sent shockwaves. Now, whether it would have been challenged in court and would have stuck, eh, it's a chance you take. But at least the optics and CNN and Fox and everyone else would have been reporting that President Biden wrote signed his executive order saying blah 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 blah. Right? That's that's the win. Right? That's the win. Whether you know legality wise, it it would have stuck or it would have been challenged. Whatever you fight that fight, but. At least it would have, you know, made me as 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 a visible minority said, you know what, this dude is actually doing what he said he was going to do the campaign trail. He's dead serious. Well, I think I, Biden, I, I, I got this guy. Biden is more, and I will give that. And again, we don't know that because I think he he doesn't even have the hundred days yet. Uh, but I think he, again, we'll see. He seems to be more about change. Uh, we'll see if that is exactly true. They all say the same thing, but we'll we'll see if that's exactly true. But. We'll have to wait and see. Now, we're going back to Canada, which where we live, but we're going to Ontario, which uh, there's a news on the CBC that black employees uh, are getting, you know, racism from the Ontario government. Uh, A lot of employees from the Toronto Toronto jail and other public service that they don't get uh, vacations or they don't get taken in consideration or they don't get any promotions uh, and the funny thing is, is that the Ontario government is aware of this. Uh, they said that they are trying to make change, or they are quite aware that there's quite racism uh, in the Ontario government. <laughs> uh, and a lot of the black employees uh, came out and complained in this CBC article. Uh, it's quite shocking, but uh, it happens everywhere. If you look at New Brunswick, we have had guests here that have complained about being racism at at the government of New Brunswick. Uh, it happens in Manitoba, British Columbia, and anywhere you see. Uh, whatever, However, what I haven't seen is that the government of Ontario has admitted this, which is a, it's a whole different ballgame. So uh, let's start with Hillary. What do you think about this? Well, in terms of what you just said about it being everywhere, like even Selena Shavanas came on her show and said she experienced racism in the parliament. Like it's, it's everywhere. I don't find it surprising at all as someone who lives in Ontario and has like, I faced racism here in the streets. I don't think that the government is exempt. We talk about it all the time. Like if the government is built on a system of oppression and you work for the government, so you think that you're better than everyone else, which is what I find I experience in terms of, um, not to make the situation less serious, but all of the like dude bros who work for the government who are on dating apps think that they're better than everyone else because they're white 
and work for Trudeau and think that that makes them better. So I don't find it surprising that those people would then mistreat their colleagues who are of color. Like we, I find that we, we see it everywhere. I know that people try to have work workshops and seminars to try to like eradicate the racism at work and make people more aware, but that doesn't change things as small as unconscious bias to bigger biases. Like um, in that article, the gentleman not being allowed to come in because his hair was in box braids and he was working at a jail. Like those things happen everywhere. I don't find it surprising in the least. Like, like we live in a racist country. I just, just do people like, this is obvious to me, like no brainer, no shocker. Now, do you think that we live in a racist country or a racist system? Both. The country was founded on a racist system. We live, we live on literally an indigenous burial ground, like construction on blood and genocide. We wonder why things aren't going well for us. White people in power don't want things to go well for us. And like, I've experienced it. Like I've experienced racism in the street while working at shoppers. Like I know that uh, my family members have been like followed by police and had situations there. So it just, it doesn't surprise me that it would, it would be in those places as well. I think it's everywhere. Yeah, I definitely think it, it, for me, it's a bit shocking though, that if, and again, we don't know if this might be a a, a civil class lawsuit because the the government Mm -hmm. has admitted it uh, and we don't know where this is going to end up, but it it is a little bit strange that the government said, we know, and we're trying to do something about it. Well, Uh, but if they didn't, it would be sort of the same thing as New Brunswick getting this racism commissioner and then didn't like if, if they were to, as like we've discussed, if they were to deny the report that says that there is racism in New Brunswick, I think everyone would be like, are you kidding? Like, that's not fair. Like, that's not accurate. So for them to agree with it, I feel like it's obvious because I don't think like had they said no, I don't think anyone would have believed them. So they would have just been like delaying what or like trying to get out of what I, I don't think that there's a world in which it's not a realistic thing that's happening that. My thought. And to your point, blame Hicks that denied it. He did deny it. So he has done that. Well, I was going to wait for the end, but there's still no appointed racism commissioner. Now we're June. We're June 17th and there's still no one filling that role. So, okay. Which I actually know something, but I'll I'll, I'll say that off of of this podcast. So I think I know who might be. Uh, Clinton, what's your take on it? It's the same story we keep hearing time and time again all across the country among all kinds of public servants for the government. It's it's the prime example of the same anti-Black racism that you see everywhere. It's no surprise, Hillary, like you said, I, you experience racism everywhere, so you're going to experience it in every institution as well. I, I think I experienced racism like four times last week. <laughs> it's it's insane. And especially, you know, correctional facilities already. I mean, come on, there's going to be an inherent built in racism there. Um, this gentleman's stories of, you know, getting good reviews, but never getting promoted. There's always that glass ceiling. All the supervisors and managers are white people. It's all repetitive of the same stories we keep hearing. Um, like you mentioned, Fidel, we had Alina, Elena on the show, um, I think last year, and it, it was the same story. Um, and then from the people in power, it, it's all blanket statements. You know, they say they're aware of it. They say they're going to make changes, um, but they don't say what they're going to do. And there's never any action. And the truth is they have to say those things for PR reasons. But a lot of the times the people, the same people who are aware of these problems and not doing anything about them, there's a reason for that. It's not coincidence. They are happy with the way things are and they do not want change. So it's just statements like that get the CBC reporters and CTV reporters to go away. Um, and then the story never gets followed up on anyways. I, I Wasn't there a story last year of about 300 people involved in a class action suit among the Ontario Public Servants Board or across Canada? Do you, well, do you all there, recall that? There it's is the one, same thing. It's just one more story. There is one also with the federal government as well. So uh, that, that is another another racism there is another class action loss with the federal government as well uh now alon upsetting and it's the same thing that we are used to and we're going to hear again and it's it's everywhere so i, I will come with a couple of questions so i, I want to get along to take before i come with, with before i get with another question go ahead alon oh it's just uh, i agree with with hillary and clinton this is just a par for the course right and the fact that you know this is all, all like clinton said all it becomes is just you know a byline 
on a website or paper and then it's gone. Right. So there's, there's no follow-up. There's no real attention paid to this. There's no um, deeper investigation into this by the press and by the media. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a cute article for the CBC to throw out there so they can act like they're actually giving a shit about people of color and minority issues, but are they going to follow up? Are they going to investigate? Are they going to dig deeper? Are they going to go ahead and, and try to, you know, stay on this until it actually is resolved? No. Are they going to put pressure on, on the Ontario government? No. Like it's, it's just one of those things, like, like Clint just said, is it's, it's, it happens all the time. It's, it's been happening. Um, these stories are not new. They're going to continue and they're going to continue because the eye of the public and the media are not on these issues. When it stops being trendy and then then, then it goes away. And that that's that is the, the, the biggest problem with 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 systemic racism is that, unfortunately, you know, everyone is so used to it that we've all kind of become numb to it. Right. Like this story isn't shocking, unfortunately, anymore. Right. Like we just said, we're, this, these stories, we hear this all the time. Right. Like, I don't even know if I told you guys what happened to me at my at my job last last week or I think it was the last week. Like, it's crazy. Like, racism is fucking everywhere. Like, it happens every day, daily to black people in the workforce, period. Right. This is not a new story. It's not a new tale. Um, and unfortunately, I think people have become numb and jaded to it. And it it is not shocking. It's not riveting. It's not you know spurring anyone into action. And corporations, no, it's a blip. It's a blip on a on a radar. You know what I mean? Like it happens. You know, you say, "Oh, listen, we're trying to be inclusive and have diversity," and then it goes away. Right? Like corporations have become very good at just saying what they need to say and being politically correct, and 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 having the tagline and then moving on. That's what they do. Um, and it's unfortunate, but you know what? It, it, it's not surprising at all because, uh, it's just the struggle of being, of being Brown and being black in, in this uh, white systemic system. No, uh, no. Sorry, I just wanted to say before you started on your other questions, just cause to, to Alon's point. So, um, the last two days I've been at community health center conferences for specifically Ontario, because that is my new job. And I've obviously like, um, attended the ones about anti-black racism because it is obviously as important to me. I thought it could be helpful for us or the, my blog or whatever. And I found it really interesting what you just said about it being like a blip in the radar and how people will forget about it because it was a really big point on um, what uh, Simone Davidson said today, because what she talked about was the fact that like if community health centers don't continue to also bring this up amongst their staff, how that essentially like, because no one sees black issues, like we've discussed this before, but the idea that since no one sees black issues, unless they get brought up, no one will care about them. And we're talking about it more in terms of healthcare. So like the fact that uh, black people are more disproportionately poor, have different health issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and how they all get swept under the rug. So it's the, it's the same concept here that like, if, if like CBC can bring it up and they can bring it up this one time, and cool. But if we don't keep talking about it or asking questions or remembering that this is a thing that happened, it is again going to be forgotten like everything else. That was my only point. Now, what I was going to say is that like a longer point with the corporations were like in the private sector, uh, it is actually easier to tackle racism because there's a there's a purchasing power. Right. So if you get a bad rap and you don't get products and stuff like that and your stock goes down, depending on how it works, it's definitely like corporations are taking more private corporations uh, are taking more steps to get the divide of racism because it's more of a topic now. And again, they will lose shares or they will lose things with comp with competitors and things like that. But in the government, you can't do that. In the government, pretty much is it's just a one stop shop and it's the government, right? There's no competition. There's nothing else. See, so I have to disagree with that, though. I have to disagree with that because there was a report out there, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago about how corporations who jumped on the, the Black Lives Matter bandwagon and promised to pledge all these millions of dollars to black causes have not done so. How they've only given like 1%, 2% of their promised monies to these different... So, so clearly corporations, private corporations are not worried about their stock price or their shares or losing their, their consumer base. Well, but that's... But I have to interrupt you on that because this is the problem. Uh, the problem is, is that you got something called competition. Like, for example, if you look at Victoria's Secret, which was a big thing back in the 90s, Victoria's Secret has lost a bunch of shares, went bankrupt. It's almost went bankrupt. And now they're trying to redo their whole thing. Uh, the reason is, yeah. is because... 
the, the reason is because there are other competitors uh, that are more aware, even smaller. So it, it came to the same thing with right, uh, maybe, but Victoria's Secret just flat out was like, listen, we don't like chubby chicks and like and just like was like stayed on like this topic and like rode that train for exactly. all it was worth. And women were like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck your twigs. We're not buying your shit anymore. Like the point blank period. Like that's just what. Like that. That. But I don't understand how that's a correlation with what, what's happening. Well, well with- because uh, because the thing, the correlation is this. The correlation is the following: if uh, a company, any company, a private company, uh, a public, a private company, sorry, uh, does not do or it's tainted or phrases or does not do anything regarding that, uh, there are competitors that you could choose that can do that, and they would lose market share. Uh, but Nike has a lost market share and Nike has competitors, right? Well, Amazon I, hasn't lost market share. And it has, here's the thing. All I'm trying to say is that I don't feel that your that, that your analogy is correct because there are major corporations who during the whole George Floyd and, and the rise of Black Lives Matter becoming an international platform said, we're going to give blah, blah, blah money to black causes. And we stand by this. And they haven't held up their end of the bargain. Why? Because the trend has faded. The social trend has faded. They weren't in it for the long haul. And they did just enough to ride the wave. And now that it's not a wave anymore, at least in their eyes, it's not a wave. They've, they're doing what corporations do. They've pulled back and they're going back to their status quo. Like, um, I, I, I don't see where. But to correct you on that, uh, the Nike actually gained market share because they did Colin Kaepernick. But that was uh, before, dude, that was before. Like, I, everyone knows about Colin but that, Kaepernick. But that, was, that was and, last and the, year. But that was last year, though. No, Colin got his money before George Floyd. No, no, the, no. George Floyd is one thing, but Colin Kaepernick is the other. Like, Nike actually was one of the ones that went first in the trend. Uh, and actually, they gain market share because of doing that. Right. But uh, this actually is a different Mark- story besides that. So there is a recent story that says that Nike and other companies who promised and pledged money to other organizations like Black Lives Matter to further black causes have not given the money that they promised. That is what I'm saying. You're going off on a Colin Kaepernick thing that happened before this. And this is a whole separate story. No, I understand. But what the, how economics works is that if you got market share, you as a private company, you can choose as a consumer. Uh, now, if you're saying, well, big corporations, fine, but you can choose as an individual not to support those big corporations. I can choose not to support those big corporations. And that's what people are doing. Uh, now, when it comes to the government, it's there's no way you still got to pay taxes. You can't go away around it. That's the way it works. So that's pretty much what I'm saying is the, the following. If you're a private corporation or a big corporation or whatever you want to call it, consumers have a choice to go wherever they feel like it. In a democratic world, of course, like in America, different places, that's not necessarily the case. But uh, when it comes to the government, like the Ontario, there is no other way. You, you can't just run on the government. But the question that I was going to go with is like, how do we make this change? Like, because we realize that the they say that they are in, you know, they are aware of it. But how this change is made? For me, I, I always feel like people in power do not reflect because they're white. I, I will never think that a white man will realize what black people are feeling. But how do you make the system change in order for this to go forward? And that was the question that I was going to. So I'm going to start with Clinton. What do you what do you think it's it needs to be done to create this change? We don't unfortunately get to make systems like these change on their own. It's if the people who are in power are happy with the systems the way they are, they will not change. Uh, I don't even think that these people get voted in for positions like running a prison system. They're they're chosen by the people in power. Um, the only way to change it is over decades of work in which you, uh, you somehow get people of color or people that just simply get it and care in these positions of power. But again, how can you? How can you get someone to the top? And even if you do get one person of color or black person or person who gets it and cares to the top, 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 you're going to get what you just got with Anime Paul this week. You know, you get the soon as someone gets anywhere close to anything, they're going to look for any reason to try to rip them down, pull them out of power and tear them apart. If one or two people get there, they're still not going to be able to affect change. 
how do you change the system? Um, I don't say this often, but burn it down, I guess, is <laughs> that's not usually my mantra, but you, you can't really change it if the people in power are happy with it the way it is. It's not accidental that they say they're aware of it, that stuff more needs to be done, but then no one ever does anything. It's all evil people are not dumb people evil people are smart people and they have this formula it's like a record label formula they they know how to work the media to get the 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 people to go away the reporters to go away the pr to calm down and then it's status quo there's hopefully someone has a better answer than me because you can't i I think that's a great answer I, i i agree with you i mean it's it's like old school monarchies right i mean as long as people in power and those who have influence of that power are comfortable like you just said it's not going anywhere right as long as they're as long as you know people feel that they have a comfort level and i think that's that's just that that's where north americans are at like north americans are for the most part comfortable you know unless you are a visible minority you know, you're comfortable. You've got your Netflix, you've got your Amazon, you've got your, your job and, you know, you live in your neighborhoods and, 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 you know, you live around, you live around white people and you interact with white people and that's what, you know, um, you know, uh, but I, I, I agree with you. I think the only recourse is really to, to just, you know, nuke the site from orbit and, and figure it out and <laughs> figure it out later and just rebuild after that. Right. Because, it, um, <sighs> What do they see? What, what is it? Absolute power corrupts, but you know, was absolute power corrupts absolutely? Power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of where we stand, right? And and unfortunately, human nature plays a part too, right? Human nature is just prone to. There's always some motherfucker trying to swim upstream, right? There's always someone who wants more than the next man. There's always someone who wants to be in power over someone else, um, and that's another factor too. But I think you're absolutely right. I think the only recourse is to burn these systems down and just rebuild um but rebuild differently right because uh, other than that we're just repeating history and, and it's going to take forever to get any little bit of change that we may or may not you know come across so okay so uh clinton and and alana do, do agree it's a, a little bit anarchistic for my taste but hillary what what do you think yeah i'm on the same page <laughs> <laughs> wow. like, yeah. I, i wrote about it in my in my blog that got released uh that Like it's what I've been saying, I think all episode that the white people in power are not never going to want to destroy the system because the system works for them. And until you have enough selfless people in power that actually want to change it so that everybody has a fair share, everybody has a say, everybody actually has rights until there's like electoral reform, until there's all these things that need to be done so that black people actually have a seat at the table, like a fair one. And they're not just a diversity quotient and part of, you know, a pamphlet for aesthetics, then it's never, it's never going to work. It's just absolutely never going to work. There's too many white people in power that are using the system for them, for their benefit, for their gain, for them to stay in power. And none of them are ever going to relinquish that. So we have to burn the system down. Yeah. And I think, and I also just to add to that, I think that white people who are not in power need to become very uncomfortable with the fact that the system does benefit them and understand that they are bending. Like there are, there's a certain amount of white people who feel like, Oh, well, I'm not in power. So clearly I'm not betting for you from that. Like we need that. Those people need to realize too, that, you are benefiting from it. The system is unfair and it needs to be eradicated as well. Right. Like, you know what the thing is, you said Alon is that, you know, you said you mentioned humans and human nature. Like even yes. if you burn down the system and create a new system, you know, what are you going to get at best 200 years before you have to burn it down again? <laughs> like, and it you're not wrong. You're not wrong about I, I, that at all. Exactly. I think, the, I think the problem is, and I, and I can tell you this, and this is why I, I, I encourage people to travel a lot because you only see one thing from one side. If you look in countries in Africa and Latin America, which are black people, like if you go to countries, there's still some black people. The system doesn't work. Uh, and they have tried to burn down the system and rebuild. Like if you go in different countries in Africa, they have tried to do that. Uh, and it does. It, it has not worked. They have even done new countries and, and it still hasn't worked. Uh, I, I think burning the system now and rebuilding, that doesn't mean that it's going to be a better system. That doesn't really mean anything. Well, we won't know till we try. Exactly. <laughs> no, no. And the only was... and the only difference between you know the African countries and and Europe and North America is, uh, let's be realistic, resources, CIA. money. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, there's 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 certain resources that 
that, you know, that that we have over here that that they don't. And so it's not so much that our systems are working, because I think the four of us are clear examples of voices that are saying that it's not. So just because it's gone on for a long period of time doesn't mean that it's working. It clearly is not working. Well, you act like it's working. It's not working. If it wasn't for the media and then the resources, we'd be having coups every 50 fucking years like everyone else, right? But <laughs> coups. It's just, well, I, I didn't I, want to interrupt I, for I, now, I, but go ahead. You, you have. That, that, I've been trying is, to say I, something. Okay. That, <laughs> Everybody roundtable. Let's all go around in a circle. <laughs> Again, I mean, that's, that's the thing. When you, when you look at a coup, a coup is a, like, a coups happen all the time in different countries. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, I think in, even in Europe, it happens in, in lower countries, in poverty. Uh, now I'm going to go to Clinton before I, I'm going to go to Clinton and then I'm going to go to Clinton. I think one of the things that, and again, that's one of the reasons that this podcast is built. I, I don't think that, I personally don't think that we need to burn it down again, because again, I feel like that doesn't necessarily mean it's a better system and we don't know what we have the outcome is. But I also think that there is, there seems, there needs to be some type of collectiveness amongst black people it's like the army if you like at the army there if, if you're in a war you have the air force you have the navy uh you have the the battalions you have the generals and i think in different perspective of the black community especially in canada uh which that's one of the things in canada it seems to be and in the states as well but in the states in different places it depends on the state that you are uh but in canada it seems like there is some kind of degree of separation when it comes to the black community uh, maybe it's because of the origins, because again, you could be black from uh, the West Indies, or you could be black from Africa, or you could be black from different places. Uh, but I also think that if you look at other communities, like uh, in Ontario, there there was a big experiment with the Sikh community that they built their own collectiveness and they were able to manage some power, and that's why you have Sikh candidates and and Indian and Hindu candidates in places like Ontario because they were able to build that community and collectiveness. Uh, but Again, it's hard to say that when it comes to change, change is hard. I think that's one of the things that the, the problem is, is change is hard. Everything that you got, when you're trying to make some type of change, it is incredibly hard to do it. Uh, but I also, I think that one of the, re, the way that we could change is by being more collective with each other and making sure that as a community that faces racism, that we're able to target it in different ways. Uh, Clinton, you have something to say? I was just going to say, it is it is pertinent. It is smart to look at other countries and examples of what they've done and what worked and what didn't work. But I was going to comment on the fact that some of those countries, when they have their coups or they tear down the system and try to... Re- those systems were torn down because, you know, people behind the scenes intentionally tore it down. Oil companies or governments or CIA, they, they, they infiltrated those countries, created... Even World War One and World War Two were potentially created for an agenda to get something out of it like it depends on the reason you're tearing down the system and then afterwards yeah those countries are left in shambles because that was the point it's how to destroy other economies um and i like the idea of you know that is something that's black people aren't just black people unfortunately right you could say the sikhs or 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 i don't i'm not going to say that group because i'll be labeled as any group of people that comes together to build, they're usually from one place, but black people, yeah, they can be from any country in Africa. They can be any country in, in the Caribbean, not anywhere else, from the Underground Railroad, from America, from Canada. Um, they're all just different. And but I still think they should come together, but then what are you going to have? You're going to have another Tulsa. <laughs> Well, right? well, not not necessarily. I think I think one of the things that, and again, I think that's one of the reasons why I would I would say that people have to travel because we look at countries that went bad, but we also see countries like Singapore that went really where they tore down the system and they rebuilt it. And Singapore is one of the richest countries. Korea did that too, right? Uh, Korea turned down the system and put it back up, and well, South Korea. And Korea is a great system. Uh, China, to some extent, was one of the poorest places in the world in the 1960s, and it's one of the richest countries. Uh, it's trying to be one of the richest countries now. Uh, again, it it there's well, bad I cases, say, but there's good, I, but there's yeah, good I wouldn't cases. say those are systems that are working. I mean, they're they're, yeah. they're they're prospering, yeah. But I mean, I'm sure if you ask people on the ground, I'm sure they would have a lot of different things to say about that, right? That but, would be quite the. De- Study right, studying every country. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But we're, we're just throwing, we're just saying as a broad system. But what, what we're saying is is that they some people have teared down the system and bring it back up, and it has gone bad. And some of them has gone good. Like it, it's not necessarily. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> Burn it down. <laughs> what what yeah. I will, 
Yeah. What I will say uh, again, what I will say uh, before we move on to the subject, if anyone, I, I think it, I think one of the things that we have to look into consideration, especially with this particular thing in the Ontario government, uh, and and one of the things that I I've been saying for a longest year is like there is no black people in power. There's none, and I I don't think until we get somebody in power or people in different places. Uh, in fact. Even sometimes, and I, and I know people will think this is a little bit like like segregation or separating. Sometimes I think if there is a minority of black people, I think they should be run by black people. Like I think sometimes that might be a solution, not necessarily depending on the, on the type of work. Uh, but again, it, it, I think one of the things that I see is that uh, in Ontario, places like Ontario or New Brunswick, uh, there is nobody that is in a hierarchy that can say, hey, your system is fucked up. Like all the people that say it's fucked up is the people are on the bottom and the ones that are on the, on the top, they're like, oh, we don't understand why it's so fucked up. It's like, yeah, cause you're not, you're, you have no idea. You don't suffer to it every day. So it, it is quite complicated, but definitely we'll have to wait and see what happens in Ontario. I mean, uh, Hillary. I had something else that I wanted to add. So when, when Alon was talking about the revolution, I had wanted to add, that like if you like if you really want to get people riled up because I, f- I forget exactly now what Alon said about white people but it's the fact that like also the system well the system oh I remember what he said that the system works for white people and they don't realize that they benefit from it but also that the white working class have to remember that they are not the ones benefiting the most from it either I got into a, a Facebook <laughs> fight and I won't go through the whole thing but about colonizing Mars versus giving water to the indigenous and this whole idea that it can't it doesn't need to be one versus the other whatever but the baseline of the argument then became that like if we were to colonize mars and bring white people like bring people there elon musk isn't going to save a seat for the white working class dude bros who are basically trying That's to facts. be he his best friend yeah on he doesn't Twitter. build cars for him he doesn't build cars for him so like fuck. yeah he like so black people wouldn't be going to mars and just people wouldn't be going to mars but neither would the white working class who are such big fanatics of elon musk and so if we were to do a revolution we need the white middle class to understand that the system doesn't really work for them either because they they have they have rights but they don't have power and they don't really have money and they're not really going anywhere if you ask anyone in a low rental housing situation which i lived in that system is put in place to keep those a lot of white people poor it's not actually benefiting them you can't make money on welfare without claiming it and then getting it taken away from you on the next check so how are you supposed to ever benefit yourself if we wanted there to be a revolution, it doesn't have to just be black people banding together. It also has to be white people realizing that the whole system is fucked, whether it's racism or whether it's uh, no universal um, health, like universal health care, universal um, income, basic income, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like the whole system only benefits the elite, the white elite. And like, no offense, most of Moncton is not the white elite. So all of these people could be banding together and working together for the system to work. And in terms of black people not coming together, I think that it's partially because there is still like colorism and segregation and separation within black communities. And I just don't, I don't just mean like geographically, but like growing up and feeling like my light skin was not as good as someone who was dark skin and that my poor level of French meant that I couldn't communicate with people that are supposed to be my brothers and sisters is what keeps us from all working together in these ways to change the system. Because I'm made to feel like I'm not, it's not my fight because I'm part white, but then I'm not part of the white people. So if that's still happening today in 2020, we're not going to get anywhere. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. <laughs> but I, I do. Uh, before we move to, the, I do agree. I think uh, again, any revolution needs to, like we can't say like it's a black revolution. It has to be collective revolution. Like if, mm-hmm. if there even is a revolution, it, white people, uh, Asians, everybody needs to be involved. You cannot just do like a revolution with a couple of people. It, it just it just wouldn't work. So that's I think that's one of the things where, which we should discuss about that uh, in another way. But uh, let's go to our last topic, uh, and it's the saddest one, actually. Uh, this happened in London, Ontario. Um, a 20-year-old uh, ran over a family of five um, mm-hmm. in London, Ontario, killing four of them and leaving one injured. Now, uh, the investigation has seen that the 20-year-old did it uh, target this family because of their religion, which they were Muslims. Uh, and this is the whole community has been 
in shock and they've been kind of, uh, which we'll say, like, I think it has united the community of London. Uh, again, this was Saman Afaf, who was 46, his wife Madiha, 44, their 15-year-old daughter and the grandfather, which was 74 years old. The only one alive was the nine-year-old son. Um, again, there was a big, uh, there has been a lot of conversations. I think it has united the, there have been a lot of walks, memorials and things like that within the city of London. Um, the premier, uh, said his voice parliament and other people have, uh, expressed their voice on it. Uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say this then it, it, it is a, it was a, a heinous racist crime. Uh, and again, I, I it says a lot about uh, about a lot of things, but let's start with Hillary. What what's your take on this? Well, as a as a half Muslim, because uh, the people in the rooms beside me all are everyone in this household, except for me, technically is um, like the consensus that I sort of got from my family was sort of the way that we also talk about racist things that happened that like, it wasn't very shocking. This isn't the first hate crime against Muslim people. I think that everyone in my family was obviously really saddened by it. I have uh, colleagues at my shoppers that um, knew the family as well. And so a lot of people in the community that were really sad and devastated, but no one is like, again, surprised that people wearing hijabs and people of color who are just trying to live their day-to-day lives are being specifically targeted and killed for um, their religious beliefs or their culture or their way of life. Um, so yeah, obviously extremely devastating and really sad. I know the, a few nights ago, my stepmom went for a walk and she wasn't coming back. And I was like, are you okay? Are you alone? Are you by yourself? Who's bringing you home? Because I was afraid, not only because of the, the fact that she's wears a hijab and is Muslim presenting, but also the fact that she was a woman alone at night. Um, so it's really, it's just really sad. It's really sad. Alon, what's your take on it? Uh, my take is uh, basically one of uh, of just disgust and just you know very deep uh, sympathy for for the family and for that 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 little boy that you know now has no parents and no family and and all, and all that 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 jazz. Um, my my stance on my my take on this is 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 one of <laughs> I'm gonna try not to rant too bad, but basically um, you know I'm sure when when the story you know, goes on further, you know, there's going to be talk about, you know, this, this individual who, who ran the, who killed these people, um, that, you know what, he was troubled and this, that, and a third and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to make this statement very clear. I am sick and fucking tired of hearing the excuses for white men when they do fucked up shit. Okay. I'm sick and tired of the, I'm trying. He tried. He didn't mean it. He was having a bad day. I am done. Right. Because no visible minority gets that privilege and that gray area. No one. Right. Like no person of color gets that gray area. When you go ahead and you arrest a young black man back in the day for selling weed, there wasn't. Oh, well, maybe, you know, you don't understand the context. Maybe his family is broke. Maybe his kid needs diapers. Maybe, you know, no one says that shit. And I'm sick and tired as a black man and a person of color being forced to digest the fucking gray area and the great by and by and the great what if and the great melodramatic tragedy that is the white man. Right. Like if you commit a murder, you commit a fucking murder and you're a murderer. There is no context. There's no context. There's no he's trying. He was going through something. He's suffering mentally. He's suffering emotionally. This girl broke up with him in second grade. And therefore, now he's 20 years old and something. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm really tired of society and the media always trying to fucking make us people of color again, digest the fucking contextual nature of white man's fuckery. This man murdered these people. There is no context. There's no context. There's no, he was going through shit. He's trying. We're trying. We're, I'm tired of the trying. I'm sick of the trying. Fuck this trying. You want black people to fucking get shit right yesterday. You want black women to get shit right yesterday. Whenever we step into a space or into an area, we have to be better, smarter, faster, stronger before we even think of getting into the space. And white men can live their lives and fuck up and do really fucked up shit. And it's, oh, I was trying. I didn't know. It was a mistake. Fuck you. I'm done. 
that's my that's my take. All right, uh, Clinton, what's your take on it? Um, wow. Well, my take on it is that it's you know it's one of those things that is yes, not surprising, yet at the same time painful and angering. Um, painful because just when you look at the family three generations gone in a moment and then that young boy having to grow up on his own um painful and scary because you know on a personal note my my wife grew up in a muslim family my mother-in-law is is muslim i have muslim relatives now um my own two youngest children you know they own galabeas they they've been to muslim prayers at, at mosques um you know as observational and just to, to take part in it and you know my wife's sister lives in london actually and she's a veiled muslim woman so it, it can really happen at any time to anyone uh, it really highlights um just like we say you know black people have had it bad in canada indigenous people have it the worst uh, the truth is Muslim people have it really hard. People of color who, you know, want to um, do want to be here in Canada, live normal lives, go to university, watch the basketball game, but at the same time, wear their traditional garb and observe, uh, the, wear the clothing of, you know, the country they came from, their culture. They, they have it really bad and they do have to be concerned when they walk down the street. They have to be fearful. Um, there's the stigma about the whole middle, just the Middle Eastern thing. Um, so it's painful and it, it highlights it, but it, it sucks to highlight something because of in such a horrific way and, and really angering because um, aside from obvious reasons, like the media really, again, dropped the ball with this story. It's so sickening. The, the repeated um, way they, de depending on the color of your skin, determines the way they portray you in the media. Like... This guy, Nathaniel Veltman, like, I have not seen a bad picture of him in an article. You know, how did he get to be whoever he was to this hateful person? I, I see pictures of him, like, high school photo, or, like, jogging, or, you know, by a lake holding out a fish with a, with a Blue Jays t-shirt on. Like, all this shit. Like, there's got to be photos of him, like... He must have been influenced by hate groups. Like, right, we talked about all the hate groups, the rise of hate groups in the country. Like, how did he get to be some kid that would turn into someone who would just, like, there is a huge rise of hate groups, and, and it really highlights the danger of them and why more needs to be done to shut them down, expose them, make what they're doing illegal, like arrest them, put them behind bars. Because this guy had it in his mind that in Canada, on an evening driving through London, he was going to... I don't know, sacrifice his life or think he was going to get away with it and, and kill a whole family of people. Like, that's some crazy belief system you have to have to think that you can just do that. Um, I haven't even seen a mugshot of this kid. Like, the media is really portraying him as, like Alon said, just a poor, misguided boy. And it, that's, that's really angering. And I, we keep calling it out. And it, I guess it's one of those things that it seems like it's never going to stop. Uh, I mean, this is not the only country that does it. New Zealand, Europe, United States. It it, it doesn't matter. I mean, Muslim people ha have been chased and killed in, in different shape or form. Now, I, I think my take on this is that you get kind of lost when you look at discrimination and racism. And when you look at this, there's levels to discrimination and racism. Uh, and it, it happens to... You know, we, we say the word minorities, right? Uh, but it happens to Asians and different type of Asians, whether you're, you know, uh, South Asian, East Asian. It happens to you if you're Middle East, Middle Eastern. It happens to you if you're Black, whether you're from Africa, Canada, United States, Latin America, and, and different places. And it also can happen to you because of the religion that you choose, right? Uh especially because of the how Muslims have been portrayed because there's there's different types and and, and again it's how it's definitely we have to I do agree with Clinton that there's a lot of radicalization if you look at places like the rebel media which is like a cesspool of radicalization in Canada uh, but it just makes you think that there's levels to racism and discrimination there's levels to it and there comes a point that you 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 try to say like when is this not? being penalized. And, and we talked to uh, Dr. Timothy Christie and Neil Clemens last week, uh, which they're fighting the good fight trying to make racism illegal in New Brunswick, like trying to make a law that racism, racism is illegal. And 
I don't understand how if you call me nigger, you should be penalized for that. And if you discriminate me, you should be penalized as well. It takes you a murderer to get penalized. Is that what it is? Like it, it, it takes somebody to getting killed uh, to get penalized. And, and that's and I think that's the that, that's the reflection that I got. I think the, I think one of the things is that we we need to understand that the minor things of racism have to count as much as the hires. Because, you know, this family, I don't think they were the first time to be in Target. I think we know them because they were killed. That's what we know. But most likely they got, you know, discriminated in other ways uh, within their living in their in that in that area. But we, we don't we wouldn't know about it. And it happens. We would know about that because they get killed. Uh, so it's definitely something to say that uh, when we think about discrimination and racism, we we again, this is called black in the maritimes because we're black. But racism, it's not just doesn't happen. It, ha- it happens to more than black people. It happens to a whole a lot of uh, demographics and it should be treated as as a crime. I think it should be treated as a crime, not because somebody gets murdered, uh, but because of the actions that they take. So I definitely that's the that's the, the take I have on this. So with that, we're going to end up the show. Uh, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, don't forget to go to our social media page at Black in the Maritimes, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. And donate on Patreon or PayPal if you can. That really helps the show. So you guys have anything else to say? Thanks for listening. All right. Peace. Oh, no. Nope. Uh, uh, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, what I, I was Clinton says bye. Yeah. No one else has any, yeah. is allowed to say anything else. <laughs> No, I was I was waiting for Hillary to go, and then I was gonna go last. And then... I know I was gonna. I mean, I had something to say, and then Fidel was just like, "Bye." Hey, we're still we're still recording. Still recording. So so. Um, all I was gonna say is that, uh, check out on our Instagram. I've started making reels. They're not just like beauty related. The first series is about sunscreen, the misconception that black people don't need them, what the SPF, UVA, and UVB labels actually mean. Because if you have sunscreen in your moisturizer, you're not actually protected from skin cancer, and a lot of people don't know that. Um, the YouTube channel the blog all of the stuff is always the same crop berry and check out second glances which is still live alon oh awesome um just quick quick uh quick uh redaction on my part um on the on the issue of of race i said something a while ago about asians and not standing next to black people in struggle and i went ahead and educated myself uh, on the asian struggle um, and I am now very aware of the Asian struggle, well, more aware than I was, um, that they've had it pretty fucking bad. Um, and that at one point in time, Asians and blacks in the 60s and 70s actually were, were standing side by side and fighting the good fight. So I am going to say that I apologize for my generalization. Um, you know, everyone has their own individual interactions with people. And I went ahead and generalized and said that Asians did not or were not standing um, with blacks in their struggle. And I think even in the second thought, I may have said something like that. And I am saying that I apologize. I've educated myself and I am now fully aware um, that Asians have had it hard, do have it hard. This model minority stigma is is a crock of shit. And I can't even imagine what that must be to deal with. Um, and that the rift between Asians and Blacks has been systemically engineered. Um, and I understand that now. So um, I, again, am redacting and, and, and making amends for my statement. That being said, Echo 7 on all socials. We have a video dropping tomorrow. <laughs> Not the segue, um, but I got I to plug the band because, you know what, I got I to gotta do it. Um, so now the enlightened me is now going to plug my band. Um, so yeah, again, Echo Seven on Twitter, on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, video for our latest single drops tomorrow. Um, well, whenever this airs, it will be on YouTube, and the single drops on June twenty fifth. Um, you can pre save it uh, if you go to our website, Echo Seven Band And uh, yeah, I, I I now I now know kung fu, so it's all good. It's a Matrix reference. It's a Matrix reference. Oh, I know kung fu. Oh, okay. oh, okay. I, I've we're, never seen it. It's a Matrix yeah. reference. I'm so sorry. Like, I've never what? seen Matrix. It's a Matrix gonna, reference. I was going to make a Star Trek reference earlier today, and I was like, It's a no, Matrix yeah. reference. Oh, no go oh I've never also Leo never seen gets, Star he's Trek. He's like, oh, I know, now I know, and like, okay. then, then Morpheus, like, show me. Show me.
and then they go into the whole simulation. Uh, uh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm gonna put. The, oh my the, goodness. Okay, I will say the opinions in this podcast. Everybody's individual. I'm so. responsible for my own opinions. I've made <laughs> yeah. that clear. As am that I when I say I hate white was a Matrix reference, not at all. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. I mean, I just made a face. I didn't say anything audibly when you no, said because that. when so, you made the face, I caught what the face was about, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I just made this grand statement, and then I know. make this other fucking yeah, remark, uh, and uh, I didn't put in context. Uh, yeah, at least you caught it's a Matrix it early. reference. Uh, it's a least, Matrix reference. Yeah. I'm Neo. I'm becoming enlightened. I got downloaded information. I now know that's what it was. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> See you guys. Peace. Peace.